Good morning, church. What an honor and a privilege it is to be standing before you this morning. Uh, I praise the Lord for this privilege. Uh, John says, no one receives anything unless it be given to him from above. So I truly believe this privilege has been given to me from the Lord. So I praise the Lord. And I would also like to thank the church leadership for trusting me with uh, this assignment, which I took very seriously. Uh, This morning, uh, so last week we started uh, teaching on encounters with Jesus. This morning we're going to be we're going to be seeing uh, encounters with Jesus in parables. When we see uh, when we think about encounters with Jesus, uh, this 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 week I was thinking about how those encounters with Jesus were initiated. So when people came to Jesus, or when when they sought a personal encounter with the Lord, be it for their healing or to have a conversation with Jesus, or people also invi- wanted to invite him to, to their house and to dine with him, sometimes these encounters were initiated by the people themselves, whereas at other times it was Jesus himself coming and approaching people uh, and in- initiating that encounter with them. So story after story, we see the effort of individuals trying to reach out to Jesus and Jesus also reaching out to them. This is true not only of healings and signs and wonders, but also of conversations or of dining with Jesus. If you remember in John chapter 3, we have a person, a guy called Nicodemus, and coming to Jesus and initiating a conversation with Jesus. And out of that conversation is born the very famous uh, scripture that we usually call John 3.16, that, that, that particular word came out of a conversation. A single individual dared to approach Jesus and, and start a conversation. And in John chapter 4, we see Jesus sitting beside a well, Jacob's well, and it was now Jesus who was initiating a conversation uh, with the Samaritan woman. And when we see uh, healings, healings were also initiated by individuals, who approached the Lord and who touched him to receive their healing or who asked him to to heal them. That woman with the issue of blood, she initiated her contact. She initiated her encounter and received her healing. She believed in her heart that if she could just reach out to Jesus and and touch the Lord's garment, she, she could be healed. And she did. She was healed. And we see the blind Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And he was healed. Another contact was initiated by a leper who ran to Jesus, knelt down before him and asked if he wills that he should be healed. And Jesus stretched out his hands and he healed him. How wonderful is the Lord that he literally opened up all avenues, all roads for us to reach out to him. That woman touched him from behind, not wanting to be put on the spot because of her situation. Bartimaeus cried out to him and he used his voice because he couldn't see him. He couldn't see where he was. And with a broken heart, that leper knelt before him. And Jesus was accessible to each and every one of them. 
He was not like King Xerxes. Do you know King Xerxes? In the book of Esther, there was a king called uh, King Xerxes. He was the second uh, great king of the great Persian Empire, and he ruled over 127 countries. And he had a particular ordinance concerning who can come into his chambers. And that rule was so strict that he could have you killed if you, if you appear before his chambers without being called or without being summoned. But Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, before whose mighty presence no one could stand, but yet so humble that you could reach out to him and touch him. And you can cry out to him. And you can call him by his name. And he is yet accessible. He's not like King Xerxes. He wouldn't have you killed. (laughs) Now, not only that, Jesus also reached out to people. And he personally initiated contact with them. In Luke chapter 13, we see Jesus reaching out and healing a woman in the synagogue who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And she was bound and she couldn't straighten up. And in John chapter 5, we see Jesus healing a person who was on his sickbed for 38 years. But apart from these signs and wonders that Jesus performed, the main tool that Jesus used to initiate encounter with people was through his teachings. In fact, his teachings were the main tools that he used to communicate the heart of the Father to us. And most of the healings and the signs and the wonders that took place, they took place after Jesus finished his teachings. In Mark 6, 34, we read, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. He saw them, he was moved with compassion, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So what did he do? He began to teach them many things. The psalmist also wrote in Psalms 25 that good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his ways. Now, teachings were foundational in the ministry of Jesus because it's written in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 that my people have been destroyed for lack of knowledge. We did not know who God was. We did not know the, the heart of the Father, and we had no clue about the kingdom of God or how to get there. Only Jesus can show us the way to the Father, and he can lead us in, in the narrow path that leads to life. Therefore, through his teachings, Jesus communicated knowledge, and he gave us light which dispelled the wrong perceptions and that we had concerning God and the things of God. And as the Chinese saying goes, give, give a man a fish and he will have food for a day. But teach a man a fish and you will feed him for life. Or as the adaptation to the saying goes, teach a man to fish and you can get rid of him for the whole weekend. <laughs> now, in his teachings, Jesus usually used uh, parables. And these parables uh, he used to communicate truth to us. And the parables that Jesus told, they, they were not mere fables, but, but rather they were spirit-crafted stories. And 
they could spiritually discern the identities of everybody in the audience, and they were so much powerful. The parables were like, they were like a mirror that showed into the innermost being of a person. They were so powerful to the extent that by the time Jesus finished telling them, everyone in the audience could see himself through, through those parables. Therefore, these parables were one of the most powerful tools that Jesus used to initiate that personal contact with individuals. And it is written that many people responded to the, to the teachings and to the parables of Jesus. Now, this morning, I want to explore one particular parable that Jesus told in, in Matthew 22. I chose this parable because it, 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 it perfectly demonstrates the New Testament teaching of what it means to be all in. And I want to deal with this subject today by exploring the parable together with a verse from Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul writes an exhortation to the, to the church at Ephesus. Let's read Matthew 22 from verse 1 to 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who had arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants telling, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized the servants, and they treated them spitefully, and they killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite into the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways, and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was, was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend. How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's also quickly read Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 17 to 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past failing, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct 
the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man with, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Now, in the first scripture that we read from Matthew, Jesus is telling the parable of the great wedding feast, or sometimes called the, 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 the parable of the great wedding banquet. Many agree that this parable was told by Jesus uh, to show how the, the gospel was initially preached to the Jews and that the majority of them did not respond to the gospel uh, in the right way. But then the, the gospel went out to, to the Gentiles and the Gentiles were much more open to it and they received it well. But this morning I want to, I want to use this parable to show us three distinct personalities and how those personalities responded to the invitation uh, to the wedding and what that implies to, to the journey to be all in. Are you ready? Let's begin with the invitation. It is important to, to begin with an understanding of what this invitation implies. Now, when you read the parable, you see the word invited or invite is mentioned four times. And you also see phrases like, he sent out his servants, or call those who were invited, or tell those who are invited, or a word, a phrase like, come to the wedding. This shows you the heart of a king who, 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 is, who is not indifferent, who is proactively seeking to gather people to the wedding. And this is so much important because it is a picture of the grace and the love of God which diligently seeks after the lost. Now let me take you back to Genesis. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, they had that perfect fellowship with God. And this fellowship and relationship that they have had with God was not based on invitation. You see, God used to walk and come to Adam and Eve, and he used to have a chat with them. He used to bring all the animals to Adam, and he would give, them, give, it, give it to Adam and to see how he would name them. They had such a perfect fellowship with one another. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they committed that sin, they took themselves out of the perfect will of God and out of that perfect relationship, and they fall short of the glory of God. And from this time onward, no one could come to the Father in and of himself. But the Father came to them in various ways. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that God coming closer and inviting men to a relationship with him so that they could see forward to the ultimate invitation of God the Father through Christ Jesus. And in this age of the New Testament that we are living in, There is no more invitation that that we are awaiting for. The invitation has already come, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the formal invitation letter of the Father to us to restore us back into fellowship with him. This is why the invitation is so much important. And now let's look at the responses that were given to the invitation that went out. In this parable, we see three distinct responses to the invitation being made. One of them was a rejection. The second one was an acceptance, and I would like to call this an all-in response. And the third one was a stubborn response. Let's begin with the rejection. The first category of the guests were those who rejected the invitation. 
They were cordially invited to the wedding, but they chose not to come. They instead gave foolish reasons to excuse themselves from attending the wedding. One went to his farm, another went to his business, and according to the Gospel of Luke, one of them said that he was just recently married and he couldn't come. I remember reading this parable some 12 years ago and calling this the WCM bondage, wealth, career, and marriage. For one, his wealth, was, his wealth took priority and it was more important to him than accepting the invitation to come to the wedding, which is a picture of the fellowship in eternity with God. For the other guy, his career was much more important and yet for the other, his marriage. Their hearts were so fixated in the fleeting things of this world that they could not see the pleasure of eternity with God. They chose their material wealth and lost the eternal wealth of everlasting life. They chose their career and they lost the calling of God upon their lives. They chose their marriage and they lost the realest ever relationship that ever mattered. A relationship with the Creator. In Ephesians chapter 4, the verse we read earlier from verse 17 to 19, Paul refers to these people as the Gentiles who walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, they have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But God is merciful and long-suffering that when they rejected the first batch of servants that he sent, what he did was amazing. He sent out yet other servants. And God never gives up on you until your last breath on earth. But the sooner one responds to his call, the better. Now, the second response which I called the all-in response. This category of invitees are those who responded positively to the invitation. I am excited to talk about this group of people. What is amazing about this group of people is is not only that they said yes to the invitation, but they, they literally understood what their response meant, and they did their best to make it to the wedding. According to verse 9, of Matthew 22. These, these were people who were called from the highways. The invitation came upon them suddenly. They were on their ways, minding their own business, and all of a sudden, according to the divine arrangement of God, but in a manner that seemed coincidental to them, they came face to face with an invitation to attend a wedding. And it is with this, with the actions that these people took that we we begin to see a glimpse of what it means to be all in. Now imagine yourself being suddenly invited to a wedding. It will not be wrong to assume that once you have made the decision to come to the wedding, on the date of the wedding, while preparing to go to the wedding, you would take off any whatever clothes that you are wearing, you would take a shower, and then you would put on a new cloth that would fit the occasion. Now, these three steps of putting off, taking a shower, and then putting on a new cloth are perfectly captured in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 20 to 24 by Paul. 
who writes to, 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 ch- to the church in Ephesus and tells them, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, then put off concerning the former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then put, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now the first step that this all-in persons undertook was to put off the old man. This old man is the sinful nature that we have inherited from the fall of from the fallen nature of man. And the tendency of this fallen nature, this old man, is to grow corrupt. Ever since the first introduction of sin to to the human life, sin has perpetuated itself and it has become the default setting of the human life. Accordingly, we are told to put off that old nature, that old identity. And this is a stage of resolution where we resolve in our heart to follow Christ and not the world anymore. The acceptance of the invitation to come to the wedding, which is a picture of the Christian life, begins with a decision to put off the old nature with an ex- or with an experience of an exodus. If you remember what we learned in, in, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 47, where the prophet Ezekiel describes uh, his vision of being led by the Spirit to... to, to uh, to test the different uh, levels of the depth of the water, you notice that for Ezekiel, that initial step was taking a step of faith to, to, to dip into the water, to experience the ankle-level depth of the water. For, and for Abraham, it was coming out of his father's house. And for Moses, it was refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and coming out of Pharaoh's house. And for the high priest Joshua, in the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 3, that initial intervention of God in his life was to order the angels to take off that filthy garment he was wearing. The journey to the promised land begins with coming out of Egypt, which is a picture of the world. The journey to the promised land begins with coming out of Egypt. And the journey to be all in begins with coming out of where you are and taking a step of faith in the right direction. God's people, if we want to be all in, there are certain things that God wants us to let go. We have to put off, we have to put an end to the old man and to the sinful nature. And this takes us to the second step where we are expected now to renew our mind. Paul in verse 23 of Ephesians 4 tells them, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is a stage of continual cleansing. After you put off that filthy cloth, you don't immediately try to find a new cloth and wear it. You take a shower. You have to clean up yourself first. And Paul tells the church that if we want to follow Christ and be like him, we need to first put off the old man and its sinful nature. And having done that, we then have to engage in the continuous process of mind renewal. Now, if the first stage of putting off the old man is a place of resolution, 
where you resolve in your heart to follow Christ and not to follow the devil or what's in the world, then the second stage of renewal is where you stay true to that resolution moment by moment, day by day, second by second. If you look back at the teachings that we have had under the theme all in, there is a core message that that repeats itself. And that is the reality that the Christian life that we are living is a journey. It's a process of continuous renewal. We saw a picture of that in the prophet Ezekiel's experience of being led by the Spirit to experience the different levels of depth of the water. We also learned about being all in in love. And here we, we, are learned, we learned about how we are commanded to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Notice how we are first called upon to love God with all our heart. The heart is used to describe what Peter in his epistle calls the inner man, or Paul calls him the hidden man of the spirit. Once our heart is overwhelmed with the love of God, this love will flow to the soul, and it will flow to the mind, and then it will flow to the strength. But it starts with the heart. It starts with the ankle-level depth of the water. You cannot love God with all your strength if you have not loved him with all your heart first. It starts with the heart. The water flows from the heart to the soul, then to the mind, then to the strength. Now, that initial step of stepping into the water or loving God with all your heart is the foundation of the Christian life. This foundational Starting point is what Jesus refers to as being born again. In John chapter 3, uh, verse 3, speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus talks, talks to him about being born again. The journey formally starts with that new birth experience of accepting the Lord Jesus as one's Lord and personal Savior. And this kick starts the Christian life. And at this moment, the spirit man within us or the heart is regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit and you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But here is the interesting thing. You become a new person in the spirit, but you remain the same in the body and in the soul pending their renewal. If you loved ice cream before you were born again, you will love ice cream after you're born again. It doesn't change that. It is the spirit man that is born again. It is the spirit man that is regenerated. And, and here is the interesting thing. This creates within us a divided kingdom where the spirit thirsts after the things of God, while the flesh seeks its own pleasure and the soul is thrusted in between. The spirit man wants to, wants to communicate with the Lord. It wants to kneel down and pray. It wants to come to the church. It wants to raise its hand and worship. It wants to fellowship with the saints, but the, spirit, but the, but the flesh wants to sit in front of the TV for 24 hours. What do you do? And in Galatians chapter 5, from verse 16 to 17, Paul says, here is the medicine. I say then, walk 
in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the spirit after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. So the answer lies in giving predominance and preeminence to the spirit man and to what your spirit says and tells you. Therefore, this journey to be all in, it requires a continual unlearning and then learning. We have to unlearn hate and begin to love like Christ did, And we have to unlearn disobedience and we have to begin to obey like Christ did. And we have to unlearn chasing after the things of the world and learn to chase after the things of God. And the journey to be all in requires this continual feeding of our spirit man until it rises above the will of the soul and the desires of the flesh. And it brings them both under subjection to the will of God. In Revelations chapter 22, we have a powerful scripture that demonstrates this stage. Verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs who who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves And practices falsehood. This illustration in the book of Revelation is so powerful. Now, of course, when we talk about uh, washing clothes or robes, the first thing that may come to your mind is the washing machine. Thank God for the washing machines, but it is of little or no importance to, to, to illustrate this verse. The verse makes sense when you consider how people washed their clothes in olden days. Or, or even today in, in places where there is no access to water. They, they used to carry their clothes down to a river. They used to find a rock near the banks of the river, take a soap with them, and they wash their clothes in the river, dipping their, their clothes in the water, and then washing it on the rock or the stone that they find nearby. And this gives you the, 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 a picture of the personal responsibility that everyone has to take to wash their cloth. There is no machine that can clean your soul. There is no machine that can wash your mind. And you have to take yourself to the river and wash it with the blood of Jesus that cleanses the spirit, that cleanses the soul, and that can cleanse the mind. Now here is the third stage. We're, I'm still talking about the all-in response. The people who have accepted what they did first was to put, on the, to put off the old nature and then engage in the continuous process of mind renewal. And the third stage is called the putting on stage. Now, after putting off the old cloth and while engaging in the renewal, the purification and the cleansing stage, then we are expected to put on a certain cloth. And Paul tells us what this cloth is in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I cannot overstress the importance of this third stage. It marks the core of the New Testament teaching and the very foundation of our faith. The new man that we are supposed to to put on is the very person of Christ himself. We are supposed to identify with him. It is through him that we have access to the wedding and to eternal life and to the Father. 
and no one comes to the Father except through him. And no one can please the Father without him. And no one can have life apart from him. And Jesus Christ is the proper garment that everyone is expected to wear to the wedding and be able to stand before the king in confidence. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, here is the third person who gave a a stubborn response to the call to the wedding. There was a certain person who came to the wedding without having a proper cloth. Matthew 22, verse 11 says, But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So so he said to him, the king said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And guess what? He was speechless. This person who stood before the king without putting on Christ is, is a picture of the popular culture that we are living in today. Culture that seeks and claims to have a relationship with God apart from Christ. A culture that claims all roads lead to God. A culture that mischaracterizes the love of God to make room for sin. And God's people, this is one of the most scariest verses in the Bible for me. Did you know what the person replied? Now the king asked him, Why do, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? Where did you get the confidence to stand before the glory of God without being covered by the blood of Jesus? Even Adam and Eve knew not to stand before the presence of God after having sinned. They hid themselves. But this particular person stood in defiance of the love of God that was manifested through the work of the cross. He rejected Christ and he thought that all he needed was all his good works. And here, and here is the scariest part. When he was asked to defend himself, he couldn't even utter a word. He couldn't even utter a single word in his defense. The scripture says he was speechless. All the argument that he had built out throughout his life as to why he didn't need Jesus, it flashed out of him in the blink of an eye when he appeared in the glorious presence of God. Before the glorious light of God's presence, the darkness in him couldn't survive. And he was speechless as to why he rejected Jesus as the one and only way to eternal life. C.S. Lewis wrote in, in Mere Christianity that there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Let us finish with, this, with a summary of, with, uh, with the word that summarizes what I've been saying so far. And I would like to invite the band In Romans chapter 13, from verse 11 to 14, the Bible says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, 
not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Amen. Let us pray. Let us all close our eyes and communicate with the Lord at this moment. Remember how the encounters with Jesus were initiated. People not, people not only sat down and waited for Jesus, but they, they also went out and, and they forged ahead and, and pushed forward to, to make an encounter with the Lord. If you are like the first group of people today who have not yet accepted the invitation, I encourage you today to take that bold step of faith and say yes to the Lord. And say yes to the Lord. Accept that invitation to life. If you are like the second group of people who are in an all-in journey, I want to encourage you to, to continue in your journey. Continue in renewing your mind. Keep wearing Christ. Keep walking with Christ. And if you like the, third, like the third person today, and I want to correct you, the Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, man and the man Christ Jesus. Pray to be clothed with Christ this morning. Pray to be clothed with the Lord this morning. If anyone wants to come for ahead and if you want to pray, Come on in. There will be brothers and sisters waiting to pray for you. But initiate your encounter now with the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Say yes to the Lord. Wherever it is that you may need the grace of the Lord, tell it to the Lord. Open up yourself now to the Lord. Say yes to the Lord. Make yourself available. God has laid down his son, Jesus Christ. He has sent the ultimate invitation to life in the very person of the Lord Jesus. And if anyone wants to respond to him today, that will be the pleasure of heaven. Father, we bless your name this morning. We honor you this morning, Lord. Thank you for the word that you have sent out this morning. Lord, we gather to initiate our encounter with you this morning. And we say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to the invitation of life. We say yes to the invitation of eternity with you, Lord. We say yes to the healing that is going to transform our lives. We say yes to the word that is going to transform our life, Lord. I ask you today to, to grace your people with power. I ask you today, Lord, to strengthen your people in this walk of life, in this walk to be all in, Lord. Give us the strength to renew our strength moment by moment. Give us the strength to be led by the Spirit within us. Give us the strength to grow in your face, Lord, to grow before you, Lord to grow in worship, to grow in prayer, Lord. I ask you to, today, Lord, to raise mighty 
and anointed generations for the land of Australia from this church, Lord, from the youth in this church, Lord, from the men and women in this church, Lord. Anoint your sons and daughters, Lord. As we walk in the midst of darkness, Lord, make us bearers of the light of God's kingdom so that wherever we step in, darkness would have to flee. Let your light shine so brighter in us, Lord. Make us a vessel of glory, Lord. Anoint your sons and daughters today, Lord. Not only, I, I, don't, I don't just pray, Lord, for, for our healing, but I pray for a healing anointing, Lord. So that we could carry the health and the well-being of God into the generation, Lord. Break every chains. Break every bondage. Break every bondage from the life of your people, Lord. Let the old man be put off in the name of Jesus. Give us the strength, Lord, to let go of those things that you don't want us to cling into, that you don't want us to hold on to, Lord. Give us the strength today to be renewed every day by the purifying power of your word, by the purifying power of your spirit. And help us to be always clothed with the very person and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our only confidence to stand before the Father. Lord, I pray this morning, let your anointing flow and let every one of us be filled with your spirit as we walk in the light. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.